0: Powerhouse, I want us together. Melbourne, online, Sunshine Coast. Put your hands together as we welcome Pastor Trent Camry. Awesome. Come on, if you love Jesus, give Him some praise. So good. I know that... uh, There's probably visitors here today. Give me a wave if you're visiting here for the first time. Give me a wave. Great. A few people. Awesome. Welcome. Uh, I just want to let you know that you don't need to go through what I went through. Praise the Lord that you don't. To to have a relationship with Jesus. And I just want everyone here to know today, if you don't know Jesus, uh, you've never given your heart to Him. You don't need to change anything right now to be accepted by Him he Accepts you as you are here today, it's all your pain or your shame or your mess, whatever that is. And like me, he wants to turn your mess into a message. And so, you know, just if you're just if you're a believer here today, you're a follower of Jesus, we just take a moment just to lift our hands. Our Melbourne guys, so great to have you with us. I'm going to be with you one day. And uh, would you just lift your hands as well, Jesus? you the man it's you it's you we come to serve it's you we come to meet with and I know God that you didn't come, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good you came to bring dead things back to life because that's who you are and so I thank you God that what you've done in my life you can do anybody's life and so right here, right now, as we just take a moment to thank You and honour You and surrender, I just thank You that today is going to be a life-changing day. That people are going to talk about this day for a very long time. That this skinny white guy with, wears too much hair product preached a story about how You changed his life and You came into my world and changed my life. And so we just thank You, God, that we don't serve a dead God, You're alive and well. And You are the thing that this whole world is looking for. And so we just thank You in Jesus' Name. And everybody said, Amen, Amen. Come on, let's give Him some praise. He's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah. Turn to the person next to you, say, I'm glad I'm sitting next to you. And if you're not glad, sitting next to that person, there's maybe some other chairs you can go and sit next to, you know. So good. Great to have the Melbourne guys uh, on here. I heard you guys are just kicking goals and having a great time up there. You know, I believe Dan's actually not there today. I don't think he's too well. So we just pray in Jesus' name that he would be healed right now. And at the end of this meeting, we're gonna hand it back to uh, Toby up there. And Toby's just gonna finish this meeting with giving people an opportunity to meet Jesus. uh, But I just want to say there's a couple in the Melbourne location right now that you've recently just joined uh, the Melbourne location and uh, you've been believing for a very long time for your family to come to the Lord. And I believe God has positioned you into this church because your family would not flourish in that last place because there was religion all through that church. And God hates religion. He hates it. And so He's brought you into this place because this church is all about relationship with God. And they believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And they believe that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work right now, and He is. Um, I've seen dead people come back to life, as Pastor John said. I had a a two-year-old baby get brought into our church meeting just like this and get handed to me on the platform just like this who was dead. Um, This baby was dead and I prayed and this baby came back to life. And you've come to this church uh, thinking that, you know, God brought you out of it just for you. No, no, He's brought you into this place. Your whole family's gonna come to the Lord. And then their friends and their friends and all that, it's gonna be like, you're gonna need four rows... Four rows reserved for all this place, and so get ready, Melbourne. You're about to be into a season of of favor and goodness, and 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 uh, you know, there's just been people there as well that are in that church that have been plowing for a very long time, uh, plowing, plowing. But it's, it's the time of harvest up there. Right place, right time, you know, and uh, you know, you're positioned perfectly for that uh, that place. So. Melbourne get ready I wish I could be there uh, but love you guys can't wait to be with you guys one one day up there so God bless you anyway Pastor John and Danielle, it is a privilege and honor to be in this place and uh, I just I just like come to this place and I feel like I want to take my shoes off and you know it's probably not a good thing that I do through. Um but um, it's it's because it's I feel like it's holy ground Like, honestly, like church, I know for some of you have been sitting here for a very long time and this is just like normal. This is not normal what is happening here. It's like when I come here, it's like I have an open heaven. It's like I just, you know, give me a wave if you've been here the last, uh, on Friday night, who was here. Give me a wave if I prayed to you and prayed for you and everything that I said was exactly bang on. Give me a wave. See, like that's God. Like I know nothing about these people. I don't know who you are or nothing, but God is, is, and, and it's, it's honestly, it's not like this in every church. You know, sometimes it's a real struggle and fight, but it's because your pastors are hungry. They are thirsty for for God's presence. They're not focused on themselves. They're focused on Jesus. And, uh, And so when I come here, it is just, it is magnificent. Like, I love it. And so I just honour you because it's been like the blood, sweat and tears of praying, fasting, you know, praying for these people. When people have treated you badly, you've kept turning up. And I know what it's like because I'm a pastor as well. And, and, uh, and I just honour you. And I just think it's a great season that you're about to go. Into which I'll just talk about real quickly. Um, I just want to honour my oldest daughter here, Akela. She's uh, travelling here for the with me, which has been a dream uh, for a very long time. I used to say to my kids when I'd go on uh, ministry tips, uh, trips, I'd say, "Darlings, you know, when you get older, if you stay close to Jesus, you'll come on a trip overseas with Dad and do ministry with me." And uh, and you know, today's a dream come true this weekend. So, which is just awesome. So, I honour you, my my darling. Uh, Yeah, I just wanna quickly share um, a word that I have for you as a church. And uh, tonight, we're gonna go wild tonight. Um, If you need a miracle in your body, God is gonna heal you, I believe. And I believe tonight is going to be the start of something amazing in this church. Uh, Like really amazing. Um, You all need to get really ready uh, for what's about to happen here in this church. Because God is about, this is going to be the season that you're going to talk about for a very, very long time. 2022 for Powerhouse Church is going to be a year that you talk about. It's going to be like a benchmark year. And I know it's been an interesting season, you know, with COVID and all of that stuff. And uh, you know, I don't really know too much about what's happened here, but this I believe is what the Lord has showed me. So this is a, a scripture in 2 Corinthians 4, 8, 10. Malvin, this is not you, you're just in the favor, you're in the glory zone. You just keep doing what you're doing. It's awesome. But 2 Corinthians 4, 8 to 10 says this, we are hard pressed on every side. But not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. I want to read a scripture also in Acts four thirty one, where it says this: And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. So I want to tell you that in this season yet you've been in, there's been a lot of hard pressing. And hard pressing actually is not a bad thing. It's actually—it's not a good thing while you're going through it. It's actually, it hurts. But there's been hard pressing on this church. And that's been for a reason. Because you've been praying and praying and praying for great things. But sometimes when we pray, we don't expect the things to happen that actually happen. You prayed and things were shaken in this church and people are no longer in this church for a reason. a reason because the people after the shaking, the people that have now stayed here, you're here for a reason. Because there's about to be a harvest come here that is about to be built on people that are faithful, that have great attitudes, that are loyal, that it doesn't matter what is happening in the world or whatever's happening in the church, you're rock solid. See, this church, there were people that were people that were Simon, you know, and now you've gone to be become people of Peter. If you see the word Simon, Simon was reed. That's what the word Simon means. A reed blowing in the wind gets knocked over and all this. All the Simons have left. And now what is here right now are the Peters. There are people here that were Simon and now you because Peter now means rock solid. Solid. And he said to he said to Peter, I will build my church on you. Peter. So right here, right now is a church full of Peters. And you may be saying to me, yeah, that's me, the hard. Pre-. Give me a wave if it's been a hard pressing season for you. Give me a wave. Yeah, praise the Lord. Because guess what happens when things get hard pressed? You press an olive, what happens? You get oil. You press a grape, what happens? Oh, I was going to say juice, but we'll pray for you guys at the end of this meeting. Do not drink wine, which leads to debauchery. Coal, when it gets hard pressed, becomes a. All that surrounding garbage and stuff. I'm sitting here with a bunch of diamonds ready for the season. And you're here today in the season. Come out of the season. You're here today not to sit and be an attender. No, no, no. To become a disciple maker and it's time for you to rise. Tonight, I'm going to pray for you and I believe the leadership team within the next six months is going to double because what's going to be growing, what's going to happen in this place, they're going to be flooding in and you don't want to be sitting on the fence because they're going to run over you and crush you because people are going to be running to this altar and they're going to be raised up so quickly and if you don't get on board really quickly, you're going to miss out because God... will use other people Esau had the birthright blessing but he didn't use it and so Jacob took it and if you don't use it people are going to take it from you this church is going to be known all throughout Australia and all around the world for the miraculous power of heaven and for the most radical disciples ever made I believe with all my heart So just just on that note, be careful what you pray because you've prayed and shaking has happened, but it's a good thing. The shaking has hit, the sifting has happened and it's time. It's time for this church. Can we just give the Lord some praise? Hallelujah. Hard pressed but not destroyed. In Jesus' Name. Give me a wave if you haven't heard my story here before. Ah, oh, great. I, I I pray every time I share my story. God, don't let me cry. I cry. And that's okay. But uh, look, at the, end, at, at the end of this meeting, as I believe Pastor John said that, I'll give you an opportunity to meet Jesus. And uh, it's all about relationship. You know, before Jesus, it was all about religion. It was all about doing, doing, doing. Had to do these things, you know, to be right standing with God. And God just said, you know what? I've had enough of that. I'm going to send my son, the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate thing, so that we, when we give our hearts to Jesus, when we come into relationship with Him, we now have a relationship with the Father. And it's not about doing or having to do things. I don't come to church because I have to. I don't read my Word because I have to. I don't pray because I have to. I want to. I want to read my Word, I want to pray, I wanted to be in fellowship with the believers because it's, it, 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 it's, it's God is in me, it's, he's restored me, he's given me so much and, and these are the things he's told me to do and I just love doing it. But it's not about religion here today. And I believe people here, you've had a religious experience or you've seen your parents that have lived a religious life. Friend, not you. Not you here today. So at the end of this meeting, I wanna give you that opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. And I believe that this is gonna be the greatest moment of your life. It does not excuse you from hard times. It does not mean because you give your heart to Jesus, you are now, you know, it's all cups of teas and cupcakes. No, no, no. Jesus said, you will still have trouble in this world. God, when He created everything in the world, it was absolutely perfect. When He created the heavens, the earth, Adam and Eve, everything was perfect. We were were meant to live forever. But God loved us so much that He gave us a free choice. He didn't want us to be robots and puppets, you know, and so, he gave us a free choice and Adam and Eve, you know, they chose to eat the apple. Give me a wave if you're gonna give Adam a punch in the face when you get to heaven. You know, like, you know, but if it wasn't Adam, it was gonna be the next guy. If it wasn't the next guy, it would be you and I. And ever since that moment, sin came into the world. We, we chose the wrong thing and the world's been just like d- disastrous ever since. It's just going absolutely crazy and crazy and crazy. You know, but we still live in this broken world, so it does not remove us from that. You know, I've had crazy stuff happen. Kids, my kids, I go... Son born with Down syndrome, my last son, he's born with a heart condition. I'll share it with John. I've had to hold my son upside down and submerge him in buckets of ice water for five seconds to restart his heart. I mean, like, come on, God, I'm serving your church, I'm doing all this stuff. Well, you know, but it's all good, it's all good. Jesus said, You'll have much trouble in this world. So when you give your hearts to Jesus today, it's not gonna separate you from that stuff. No, no, no. God never promised it would it be easy. What he then promised would be peace, and you will have peace in the storms, you'll have peace when all this stuff goes on, it's all good, amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. So my story, you know, I was eight years old when I found my father uh, beating my mum up, my father was an alcoholic and a workaholic, and you know, I grew up in a dysfunctional family, and so my mum took me away, you guys can be seated if you like, maybe the keyboard guy can stay because he makes me sound really good, old, (laughs) old spirit fingers. And so my mum removed me from that environment, and my older siblings. I've got three older siblings, and my mum rev- removed us from that environment. And so she should have. And so my mum raised myself and my three older siblings alone. My mum had to work two jobs um, because you know she couldn't afford to do it on her own. And now there was no dad and no mum. And you know when the when the cat's away, the mice will play. So we had no mum and dad. So my siblings and I we got into a lot of trouble. I started smoking weed around twelve to thirteen years old, and. If you're a young person here today and you've just started dabbling in a bit of marijuana, a little bit of alcohol, stop now, because trust me, that is going to lead into heavier stuff and more destruction. And so I didn't know that, but uh, so at the age of 12 or 13, we started smoking marijuana. My whole family, more my older siblings are actually drug addicts as well, and my extended family are involved with gangs and, and stuff, so we got access to drugs really quite easy. By the age of 16, I started taking harder drugs, snorting speed, taking acid, all of that stuff, failing school miserably and all of that. And by the age of 18, I became a bartender in Auckland City. I became actually quite a successful bartender. I won an award in New Zealand for the top bartender and all this stuff. But as I got successful in that world, my my drug addiction became more successful. (laughs) And by the age of 19, a drug got introduced to New Zealand that is now ripping our country apart was an absolute epidemic, a drug in New Zealand that we call pee, but a drug that you call over here ice. And I got introduced to ice at the age of 19. And because I'm a drug addict, obviously I got hooked to this drug really, really quickly. I mean, this this drug is a very powerful drug, ice. Give me a, no, give me a wave if you know someone that is addicted to methamphetamine, ice. So they say now that you do not have to have the disease or the personality of addiction, to be, to get addicted to methamphetamine. It is the most addictive drug on this planet. But I was a, you know, a, a, an addict. My father was an alcoholic, he was an, he was, his father was an alcoholic. It was running through my genes. So I got addicted to this drug pretty quickly. And I actually developed a drug addict for the next seven years on methamphetamine. And so as I you know, became a bartender and in that scene, I actually got introduced to a senior member of a motorcycle club, one of New Zealand's most, most notorious motorcycle clubs. And as we see on the media, we see all on the news, these guys run that world. But I got introduced to that guy and we just started off being friends. But then I got to see what that world is like, the money, the drugs, the fame, sex, drugs and rock and roll. But for me, I was drawn to the money, how quickly they were making that money. And so at the age of 22, I started manufacturing methamphetamine on quite a large scale. I wasn't doing it myself. I found people that would actually manufacture it for myself. I was was then called the movie man because I was actually the guy that was all behind the scenes. I was the guy that was not out in the forefront and you know, the glitz and glamour and all of that stuff. I was the guy behind the scenes making everything happen. And you know, while all this was happening, though, my drug addiction was getting worse and worse. And my drug addiction developed to, to a, uh, a cost of 250 to 500 dollars a day. That's how much methamphetamine I was putting into my body every single day. And so then, as, as I was manufacturing methamphetamine on a large scale with these guys, I was making up to around 100,000 dollars a week. And so, in all of that, all the got all the bikes, got all the cars, got all the stuff, and uh, and you know, with this now lifestyle with the gangs, this was now my new family. And cause see, that's what they do. They they sell this whole world to, uh, to, to, our, to our men and to our people and our young people, that this is a brotherhood and a family and all this stuff. So I had found this new family and this new brotherhood. And everybody that was in my life, my family and my old friends, I just completely detached away with. The only time I would go and see my friends and family was to actually sell them drugs. You see, I got my whole family addicted to methamphetamine. I got them all addicted. I mean, I watched my oldest sister in one year lose her kids, lose her marriage, lose her business and lose her home all smoked to methamphetamine. But... I didn't give a stuff. You see, like addiction is very much, you know, it's all about me, 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 me. And it's like these scales all over me. It doesn't matter, that it didn't matter the destruction I was causing. This addiction and this lifestyle was just, it's, it's like it just removed me from seeing all of that. Because I'd go into that world, we'll do that, and then I'd go back into this world and feel accepted and because I was the man making all this money. And I'm not gonna go too much into the story of of what actually happened uh, of how I got out of the gang but out of the gang lifestyle but we must understand that you know money rules this world and money absolutely runs that world so this brotherhood that they all talk about and they say it's all a load of rubbish It's all just one big have. So I saw firsthand, because I eventually sat around the round table of New Zealand's most most powerful uh, gang leaders. And I did business with them, but then in an incident, uh, one of them approached me and I can't go into that too much, but I saw firsthand that this whole brotherhood was all a facade. He wanted to do business with me without including all the brothers and and doing all the etiquette that we're supposed to do. And so in that moment, I just realised this whole thing that I joined and sort of laid my life down for because I'm a loyal person was all actually just one big load of rubbish. And it's like I had this light bulb moment. And for some reason, I just detached myself from that world. I just started removing myself and just getting away from that and, and then I just became a very lost and broken and a very angry man. Because all of a sudden when I detached from that world and all the glitz and glamour, I now started seeing all the chaos and all the damage that I had caused in my last six years of using. And so from being someone that was behind the scenes and you know, not really out in the limelight and all that, that just changed really quickly because I just didn't really care. You see, in my last year of using, I became an absolute monster. I became a very bad person because literally, as I said, I just saw all the destruction I'd caused and everything. And literally a lot of the stages in that last year, I was literally using to die. And I was actually sometimes just wanting to take as many people out with me. I mean, you know, all of these things. I mean, I remember sitting, Pastor Danielle and John, I remember sitting in a penthouse suite and all the boys had left and all the girls had left and I had about $150,000 worth of methamphetamine in a bowl and I had the V-Rods and the Commodores and everything outside. And I remember... Sitting in this hotel room when everyone left, and I remember just breaking down crying. Because I thought, you know, I thought this this was the thing that I was gonna get this 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 thing that I was filling, this void. I thought all of this stuff was the thing that was gonna fill that. But all the money in the world, all the bikes, all the fame, all everything, was still I was still lost and broken. But in that last year it got really, really bad. I mean, I'll just tell you a quick story. I mean, I had a guy who was saying some really bad stuff about me. Some really bad stuff. And uh, I was paying people $500 a day to hunt this man down. And uh, I was saying he, he had a blue Subaru legacy with a big orange sticker on the back. And one day my sister, my older sister rang me and said, Trent, I think I found that guy. I said, where is he? He's at a tire shop at the bottom of Queen Street, Key Street. Bottom well, of Queen and Keisha, it's like the main city, uh, the main streets of Auckland City. It's like downtown Sydney. It was three, four o'clock in the afternoon. And I said, come pick me up right now. So she came and picked me up. And we drove to this place and he knew I'd been hunting him for months. And I turned up to this car park and I got out of the car and I saw him in the, in, in the tie shop. I said, yo! And he turned around and he went absolutely white because he knew what was about to come. And so I said, come here. And he walked over to me you know, and some gangsters like guns. I really like knives. <laughs> I used to like knives, but I still actually still like them. I still got some really nice knives. But I used to carry knives with me and um, I don't bring any with me, by the way. Um, but I used to like knives and... He walked over to me and I pulled out the six inch blade at the back of my pants and I held it to his throat in broad daylight. I mean, people are screaming now. People are ringing the cops right now and all this stuff. But I didn't care. And if it wasn't for my oldest sister sitting in the car right next to me screaming saying, Trent, don't do it. Don't do it. I would have shanked him right then and there. Like humiliated him. I made him take all his clothes off and naked. I took all his cars and all the stuff that was in the tire shop. I mean, that's where I was now at. I didn't care about what people saw or whatever. I was just on a road of destruction. And by this time, all the money has started going. No one was doing business with me because I became just an absolute animal. No one even wanted to get in the same room with me. All the money, people were ripping me off. I was ripping people off. It got really, really bad. But in all of this chaos, there was a glimmer of hope. I met a a girl named Jade. That's my wife, Jade. Jade was going to be here today, but our babies are not doing too well up in Noosa. They're just like waking up at 3 a.m. in the morning, adjusting to time. I'm sitting in my hotel room having a great time. But anyway, <laughs> love you, babe. And I met Jade and I, I you know, you, want, you think my story's bad, you should wait till you hear Jade's story. I met Jade and she was doing a $200,000 drug deal. See, my wife was going out with a guy that was supplying half of Auckland's drug scene. What a scumbag the eh? way He was getting him. I'm allowed to say scumbag? Yeah, I can say scumbag. I get told off all the time. I say words I shouldn't, you know. Um, but he was getting his girlfriend to do his drug deals. I said, what sort of a scumbag you know, does that? So I took her off him, as you do. <laughs> I took her off him and then Jade, within a few months, we got pregnant. She got pregnant. I'm not gonna talk to you about how that happened. But Jade felt pregnant. And for those, it was like a leather light bulb moment to me. I was like, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a dad. So this was my moment of like like hope or a glimmer of something, like a change. So I, so I swore to people black and blue that were in my world. I didn't have many people in that because you know, I just left that world and I caused all this. I did not have many people in, the, in my world but the people I did I swore black and blue to them that once my baby was here that's it man I'm, I'm changing the life I'm getting out of the game I'm not doing this any longer. Let me tell you how powerful this disease of addiction is. I held my baby who sits here today I held her in my arms for the very first time fried off my face. I mean I'd been on it for four days. I mean you know I couldn't even go to the 7-Eleven store without being something and who was I kidding I was now gonna be a father and I was overwhelmed by this whole thing and I held my baby over here for the first time fried off my face and we took our baby home and by this stage as I said we I'd had no money it was complete destruction we had nothing and we actually lived in the grips of poverty for about three to six months it was terrible it was absolutely just insane <laughs> And I remember one day I said to Jade, Jade, I'm just gonna go to the, the 7-Eleven store to get some milk. And as I left, I went into the 7-Eleven like, store, I came out and, and as I came out, there was a guy that I knew parked up on the road. And he said, hey bro, hey bro. He said, hey, wanna come for a quick puff? And I was like, oh, I've just gotta drop the milk off. And he goes, oh, just come for a quick puff. And I was like, hey, being a greedy little gigantic, you all know what I did. I went off for a quick puff. That puff lasted for five days. You see, that's the normal habit, the normal lifestyle of a drug addict. A methamphetamine addict would stay awake till four or five days and then come home and crash. And so I went off for a quick little puff. And on that last day, I went to a hotel room to catch up with a mate of mine. As I walked into that hotel room, he grabbed me and said, Bro, can I talk to you really quickly? I said, yeah, we went into the bathroom. He said, did you see that girl sitting on the couch? I said, yeah. And he goes, she's ripped off a gang member that you know $30,000. I said, well, that's a bad day for her. So I grabbed her and said, hey, come in here. We went to the bathroom. I said, you need to get that money back to her right now, him right now. And she said, no, 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 he's not gonna find me. Don't worry, it's all good. I said, he will be spending $300,000 looking for you. You've brought shame on his name. He doesn't care about that. He'll have the whole of the underworld looking for you. She's like, no, no, no. So by this stage, I'd been awake for five days. I thought it was a good time to maybe take the milk home. So I was about to leave. And when I was leaving, she was on the phone saying, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, coming, i coming. And she was on the phone to her accomplice. There was her and another guy that ripped off this gang member. And so she said to me, hey bro, on your way home, can you drop me to another motel room that's around the corner from your house? I said, yep. So we got to this motel room, we got into the car park, I said, catch you later. She goes, "Oh, do you wanna come inside for a quick little puff? I was like, oh, being a greedy little drug addict, you all know what I did, quick little puff. And I remember walking behind her, I still remember it so clearly. She was in front of me, she knocked on the motel door. She opens the door, but as she opened it, there was no one there. I remember thinking, that's interesting. The door's open, but no one's there. And she walked in and she walked in. I saw this massive arm grab her and pull her behind the door. And I remember thinking, man, that's out of it. And I go, what's going on? And I came round and as I came round the door, I had this cold piece of steel stuck to my head. And I don't know if you've ever had a double barrel shotgun stuck to your head, but it's a pretty frightening moment. And so when I came around the door, laying on the floor, is her accomplice, black and blue, naked. You see, it wasn't him saying, "You know, I'm at this motel room." It was the gang members that they had ripped off, telling him to her to come here so they could set her up and kidnap her. And so, because I walked in, they thought I was involved with ripping them off as well. So I stood there and I said, "Yeah, and the guy that actually the gang member he was a he was a prospect." When I was with the gang and doing all this, and he had just hated me anyway. He was really jealous of me, so it didn't matter what I did. I mean, I couldn't pay my way out of this because, you know, I'd lost all my money. You know, I was an absolute creature. I couldn't call a friend, I couldn't do any of that stuff. And so they kidnapped us for the next day and a half or two days. They bet me to an absolute pulp. They stripped me naked. They didn't sexually abuse me, but I'll stand here today and say I was a scared little boy, and they stripped me of my manhood that day. And I was broken. They did some horrendous stuff to her. And there was a moment where I just thought, I need to go to the bathroom. And I thought maybe I could actually climb out the bathroom window. And so I said, I need to go to the bathroom. And as I went to shut the door, they kept the door open because they knew what I was gonna do. And I remember walking into this bathroom <coughs> and there was a medicine cabinet on the wall, a cabinet, and I remember shutting the cabinet. There's a mirror there. And I had 20 Humpty Dumpties all over my face, black and blue, my eyes and nose, everything. I remember looking in that mirror and all I could think about was I was never going to see my baby ever again and I thought I was going to die. No one's ever preached the Gospel to me. No one's ever shared me to me the love of the Father. But in that moment, I don't know if you've ever had a moment of dying, but something inside of me called out to a God that I did not know. And I looked into that mirror and I screamed. I didn't scream audibly, I sort of screamed in my inner self. I said, God, I wanna see my baby again. God, I wanna see my baby. And I promise you, these are the words I said, I promise you, I said, God, if you're real, please help me, I don't wanna die. And I said, if you help me, I promise you, I promise you I'll help you. And I actually don't remember too much after that moment. I remember vaguely an argument happening in the hotel. And then I come to and I remember being in a car with another gang member that I used to run with. And he's telling me, man, what's happened to you? What, why were you there? And I said, bro, just take me home. I need to go home. And he dropped me home. And I remember getting home and I was being awake, remember, for five days, and they kept me awake for another two. I hadn't eaten or drunk, so I was completely physically exhausted. I don't even know how I was alive. I couldn't even speak. And I remember getting to the door, knocking on the door, saying, Jade, or saying something, trying to get in, but Jade wasn't answering the door, so I went around the side of the house. I remember seeing a little window open. I got on the hose with the last energy that I had on the hose pipe and jumped in and climbed in the window. And I saw the army crawled through to the house and I turned the light on and the whole house was empty. Jade had left. And let me tell you what happened, Pastor John, with Jade. Seven days earlier, when I went to get the bottle of milk and didn't return, she had had enough. And she looked at our little daughter in this little cot You see, my wife actually grew up in church. My wife grew up in a church called CCC, which is now called C3 Church. My wife went to a youth group called Primal. So my wife had some sort of faith. And so she closed her eyes and said, God, I don't want my daughter to be raised in this environment. I need to know if I'm meant to be with this man. And my wife will testify with the fear of the Lord in her eyes that she's only heard the audible voice of God once. And this is what the audible voice of God said to her Jade, you will marry a man from C, C, C. So she just thought of me and she so said, Well, it definitely ain't him. <laughs> it's totally not him. So she packed up and left, packed the whole house up. So I came home to the house absolutely empty. I fell to the ground, I don't know how long I was there, but Jade came home to grab the last of the boxes, found me in the fetal position, black and blue. She said, what happened to you? I said, babe, I need help, I'm over. I don't wanna do this. I I, I detoxed in Jade's parents' lounge for like two weeks. I made it into a rehab for six months. While I was in rehab, Jade started going back to a place called CCC, now called C3. And when I got out of rehab, she was trying to get me to come along to this church. And I said, babe, I don't wanna to go to church. Church is full, filled with old people and pews and it's all about religion. See, that's what there is most of the world's stigma and I thoughts of what the church is like, including me. So she was trying to get me to church. I was like, babe, it's all good for you, you do it. And then one day, Jade's cousin, who was a youth pastor, was speaking at the Salvation Army Recovery Church for drug addicts. So she said to me, babe, I'm gonna go listen to Cousin Ross that you've met preach. It's at the recovery church. You know, some of the guys that you did recovery with, I'll go along. So I went along and hanging out with the boys. And then Jade's cousin got up at the end of the meeting and said, hey, Thank you so much for today. Hey, we're actually going to be running an Alpha course here. I don't go to this church, but I'm going to be running it. It's called an Alpha course. It's the big questions of God. And all the answers you're going to get, you're going to get it through this course. So Jade comes up to me at the end of the meeting and says, hey, let's do the Alpha course. I was like, what's the Alpha course? She goes, the thing that Ross was talking about. I said, what was he talking about? She's like, were you listening? I was like, I wasn't listening, I'm sorry. And she goes, it's all the big questions of God, you know, like all the big questions and all that stuff. And I just said to Jade, I said, Jade, this, this church stuff, it's good for you. I'm not into it. Give me a wave if you're married here. Yep, Husbands, I mean, husbands, give me a wave. Give me a wave if you know your, hus- your wives are wise. You should all keep your hands up right now. Brother. Yeah. I don't know if it's wisdom or blackmail, but this is what my wife said to me. She said to me, Trent, it's my birthday in three days. You've just got out of rehab and you have no money. For my birthday present, I want you to do the Alpha course. Yeah. Do you know what my answer was? I can't wait to do the Alpha course. So Jade's cousin, Ross, for six weeks, traveled all the way across Auckland, picked us up, took us to the south, of course. Every week we're sitting in this room with a bunch of recovering addicts, drug addicts. They're all like nodding off, watching and listening. Jade's sitting at the table with me, diligently taking notes. I'm not even interested at all. I'm sort of nodding off with the boys. But on the last week, as that lady talked about earlier, on the sixth week, they talk about a thing called the Holy Spirit. And so we're sitting at this meeting on the sixth week. Ross is speaking. The boys are nodding off asleep. Jade's diligently diligently taking notes. And Ross is speaking like I am to you right now. And as he's speaking, all of a sudden, his voice, I can no longer hear his voice, but he's still speaking. So he's like this. So what happens with the Holy Spirit? And I remember sitting there going. And then then I realised that I look around the room that Everyone else can, is still engaged with Ross. So I'm like, what the heck? And then all of a sudden, I have this presence, this thing come up behind me. It starts at the bottom of my feet, comes up the back of my legs, and it's hot. It's very hot. It comes all over my body, and I'm standing here freaking out right now. I'm like, what the heck is happening? And then I hear a voice. It wasn't like audible, but it was crazy. It's like it's like I was taken to another realm. It was just unbelievable and I was taken to this realm and all of a sudden I just heard this thing, felt this thing, sense this thing, say to me, Son, do you remember what you said to me? You said, if I helped you, you promised you would help me. I am He. Oh, Amen. So I'm sitting there, ghost are breaking out. And Jay looks at me, you're right. I was like, what's happened to me, baby? Did you feel that thing? She's like, what are you talking about? And I look around, I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden Ross, who was not, who was speaking but no voice, his voice comes back on the microphone. And he's like, and that's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> that he just goes, hey, he's so good. Does anyone want to just get up and share about Derek? By the time he finished, I just stood up and said, hey, 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 my name's Trent Memory. Six months ago, I got kidnapped by gang members and I called out to, I'm sure there was a few air bombs in there. I got kicked out by gang members, kidnapped and I called out to a God that I did not know and he, he saved me. I promise I'll help him. It's him. They do Jesus the guy. It's him. And there's Ross standing there weeping, weeping. My wife, stand here today. We stand here today because we are a product of prayer. And I just say to you today, if you've got friends and family that don't know Jesus or are in the grips of addiction, please do not stop praying for them because I met Ross, who'd been praying for a year before this moment, praying with other people around the world that we met online who'd been praying for Jade and her dropkick, gigantic boyfriend. I'm pretty sure some of their prayers were, Lord, you know, just get Jade back, but just remove Trend Day. I bet I bet yeah. Hey, but God's got bigger plans. And he's weeping. And I said, Ross, what do I do? He said, just give your heart to Jesus. Like, yeah, what have I done? Jesus' heart, yeah, So what do I do? he goes, you need to get baptized. We just drove the next day and got baptized. I said, what do I do next? He goes, you need to go to church. So I went to church. A church could see, see, see. And I walked in there and there's a guy named Pastor Dean Rush who's still my pastor today. I don't remember the worship, I don't remember the message or I remember he said, if you wanna give your heart to Jesus, you need to come and I just stood up and ran. Yeah, that's me, bro. Yeah, yeah, that Jesus guy. And I think I did that for like three months every Sunday. You know, just ran. I just, uh, I, he's the one that helped me, man. Uh, Jade Memory did marry a man from C, C, C. We actually got married in the church building of C, C, C. And I've only got a couple of minutes left, but God in that moment has absolutely restored my life. That day that I called out to God 15 and a half years ago was the last day that I used drugs and alcohol. It's the last time. Gone. set free. And I've just turned up every week. I think I've missed two church services in my whole 15 and a half years, because I was ill. Never missed church, turned up, prayed a prayer, whatever the church needs, I'll do it. Became the youth leader, became the kids' church pastor. That's an interesting day, Pastor John, when the senior leaders get up in front of the whole church and say, hey, the new kids' church pastors is Trina I, Yeah. Hey, isn't that the drunk guy? <laughs> uh. Interesting, eh? The wives say, babe, you need to say something. You know, then we became pastors. I don't even know how that happened. I've just turned up. I don't have qualifications to my name. I don't even have a C fee, John. I've never had anything. I had no qualifications, nothing. The only thing I was good at was being a professional drug dealer, that's it. I got no qual, but God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. And I'll just finish with this really quickly if I can just share one more story. About four or five years later, We became pastors of our Monaco location. And in that time, in that four years, we just started seeing all of our friends and family get saved. My older sister that got addicted to methamphetamine, that lost everything, is now fully restored. Her kids back, her home back, is on six figures, no longer. I got my brother out of the gangs, got him out of methamphetamine. Everything's been, we've seen over 95 friends and family come to the Lord. Aunties, uncles, grandparents, I've done, I've led them to the Lord and I've done their funerals and everything. God has been gracious. But i tell you one story. I remember Jade, we're, we're in the house and I hear Jade on the phone. And uh, she's talking to her best friend, Mia. And I could hear Mia, and Jade talking, oh yeah, Mia, yep. You see, Mia became a pee addict. She was in the grips of addiction. And she's on the phone and she's, yeah, Mia, yep. Yeah, we can help. Yep, yeah, we're here for you. Yeah, come to church this weekend. And I I remember being in the kitchen going, oh, praise God, Mia, you know. Jade comes in, she's like, babe, I was just speaking to Mia. I said, oh, awesome. How is she? She's reached out for help. I was like, great, she's gonna come to church this weekend. I said, praise the Lord. She goes, yeah, she's going to bring her boyfriend. I said, cool, yeah. She goes, Trent, she's she's going to bring Dan. I said, cool, Dan. She goes, no, Trent, Dan. It's like Dan the man. She goes, no, Dan Gray. I don't know if you remember the story that I was talking about earlier about the man that I was paying people $500 a day to hunt down the guy that I wanted to kill, that I nearly killed. Guess what his name is? Dan Gray. Uh, husbands, <laughs> give me a wave if you know that your wives are wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what my answer was? There's plenty of other churches they could go to. You know, like they're like sort of like like a Baptist couple. You know, like. <laughs> they can go to Paul Yong's church, whatever you know, that's awesome. And this is what my wife said. That's why she's so wise. She said, Is that what Jesus would do? That's oh, what she said. Is that what Jesus would do, Trent? And I remember that Sunday so clearly, Pastor John, because I was preaching. And Pastor John, I don't know if you've ever preached in a church setting knowing that someone in the audience is someone that you nearly killed. <clears throat> uh, it gets really interesting though when you give an invitation at the end of the meeting and the dude that you nearly killed lifts his hands. And I remember that moment so clearly. And I said, hey, all those people that got saved, come, come forward. And I remember standing here with Dan and I just broke down in tears and I grabbed him. And I said, Dan, I'm so sorry for what I did to you. Please forgive me for I do not know what I was doing back then. And I, I grabbed him, I turned around, I said, Church, this is Dan. They're like, yeah, Dan. I said, I nearly killed him. <laughs> <laughs> huh? All the visitors, hey, did he just say he nearly killed him? I said, yeah, we were like drug addicts and get the gangs. I, hey, all the visitors we're out of here, baby. let's go, you know I like. <laughs> I said, Dan and I got on my knees in front of the whole church. And held his hands and I got on my knees and I said, Dan, please forgive me. And he's just freaking out. What like, what the heck are you doing? I said, please forgive me. You know, a year and a half later. I had the privilege of marrying Dan and Mia. And now today, my wife and I are now the godparents of their children. I mean, see, God can do one thing in a moment. One encounter. Your encounter today can change your whole life. And I believe that God is not into coincidences. He's not. Everything's a plan. Everything. This is the perfect setup. You see, 15 and a half years ago, what went through God's mind, everybody in Melbourne, listen to me. 15 and a half years ago when I looked into that mirror and said, God, help me. Do you know what went through God's mind? He said, I can't wait in 15 and a half years time when Trent goes to the Sunshine Coast, shares his story, how I set him free, how I brought every dead thing back to life in his life. I can't wait till he shares that story and the same thing happens to the people in these meetings and in Melbourne because that's who he is. And I don't understand why I went through what I went through to meet Him, that's okay. All I know today is that I'm set free, that I know that when I die, if I die tomorrow, I know where I'm going. The Bible is called the good news. Why is it called the good news? Because friend, there's bad news. It's called the good news because there's bad news and you and I are spirit beings And when we die, it's not our flesh and our soul that goes, our mind and emotions that go, it's our spirit. And if we do not get born again and give our hearts to Jesus and get our spirit made aligned with the Father, when we die, our spirit goes somewhere else. And I don't want you to go to that other place here today. And friend, as I said, you don't need to change anything. He accepts you as you are. So I wanna give you that opportunity. And today's gonna be a precious day. Here in the Sunshine Coast, here in Melbourne, we're gonna hand you over to Toby right now, who's gonna do this. And I can't wait to hear about the great things. So we're gonna release you with Toby, do a great job. Let's give them a hand. But here today, right in this meeting, just bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm getting you to do this for no other reason but just so that you can focus on God, eliminate every distraction. Don't worry about texting, leaving or what happens after this. And I wanna ask you this question right here, right now. Are you right with God? If you were to leave this meeting today and something happened to you, are you right with God? And if you're not, friend, I wanna give you that opportunity to say, Jesus, I make You my Lord and Saviour. I believe that You died on the cross that You died for me that three days later, You rose again. And friend, at the end of this meeting, when I pray for You, that same Spirit that raised Him from the dead is gonna come upon You and it's gonna change your life. You're gonna see different. You're gonna smell different. You're gonna act differently. That's what He does. That's the one that we were giving praise to at the start of this meeting, the Holy Spirit. But friend, you need to do this first. You need to confess with your mouth that He is Lord. And so right across this place, if you've never done that, you've never said, Jesus, I wanna make you my Lord and Saviour. If you've never done that, I'm gonna get you in just a moment to lift up your hand. I'm gonna see your hand. And we're gonna say the prayer. And this is the start of your journey. And what a journey it is. And if you're here today and you're not right with God, you may have been in a religious church, you may have been brought up and all these things. You may have been christened. There's nowhere in the Bible that says, because I was christened, I'm gonna see the Kingdom of God. It doesn't say in the Bible, because I'm a good person, I'm gonna see the Kingdom of God. It doesn't even say because I attend church, I'm gonna, no. It doesn't say any of that stuff in the Bible. It says in John 3.3, I tell you the truth, no one can see the Kingdom of God unless He is born again. If you've never been born again, friend, this is your day. And if you're all far away from God, God God is here today and you're gonna draw near to Him. The whole of creation is waiting in expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. you here today, if you're far away, it's time for you to rise and come back to Him, to make a fresh commitment. So right here, right now, right across this place, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, I wanna get you in just a moment to lift your hand. And secondly, if you're here today and you're far away and you wanna come back to you and say, Trent, today, I wanna get back on fire. I wanna make him number one. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. The world is now number one. Here today, right across this place, if that's you, you've never done this, right here, right now, lift up your hand and say, Trent, I see your hand. Who else? Lift up your hand, I see your hand. Who else is here? Lift it up and say, Trent, that's me today. I see your hand. Who else? Say, Trent, that's me today. I need to give my heart to Him. Something needs to shift. Who else is here to join these three people and say, Trent, that's me today. I need to give my heart to Jesus. I need to make Him my Lord and Saviour. Who else is here today? I wanna fight for you a little bit longer because you know, there's an enemy out there. There's another side out there that has fought for you to keep you away from this moment. But I believe God has brought you here today. His side is greater than His side. He's brought you here for this moment. Who else is here? I know there's others. Just lift up your hand. We're gonna say a prayer. Who else is here and say, Trent, that's me. Say, Trent, that's me today. I need to give my heart to Jesus. Here today, I need to come back to Him. He's here who's here today? They need to recommit their life to Him. And say, Trent, that's me today. Just 15 more seconds. And say, Trent, today. Here today, this is my day to meet my Saviour, my Maker. Say, Trent, that's me. And say, Trent, that's me. Praise the Lord, eh? Hallelujah. Three people giving their hearts to the Lord, man. That's amazing. Hallelujah. Can everybody please stand? Just stand on your feet. What we're gonna do right now is we're gonna pray this prayer and we're gonna do this because we're family. We're gonna do this because we're family. We're gonna do this together. But those three people that lifted their hands, say this with all your heart, but just repeat these words after me. Let's do this. Dear Jesus, I come to you today and I give you my life. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord and I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. Thank you that I am forgiven. All my sin, Holy Spirit, fill me from my head to my toes. Help my life bring you glory all the days of my life in Jesus' name. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise. Uh, Pastor John, can I just pray for one person real quickly? Adam with the black, yep, you. yep. Can you come up here, please? Yep, you, yep. Come up here, yep. what's your name? Rhiannon, that's a lovely name. Yeah. How long have you been following Jesus? Great, this your church? Okay, lift your hands, please. Just take someone's breath. Just lift your hands, Father. I just thank you right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you for this lady, Lord, your precious daughter. And so I just thank you right now in Jesus' name. The last three years, Rhiannon, has been an interesting three years. It's been a really interesting three years. And if you sit down and ask God, God, show me what you were doing in this last three years, it's going to blow your mind. But today is a new day. What I see right now is you're gonna I see like a line here. You're gonna cross over that line and it's gonna be a completely new season. But God wants you to look back at those last three years and see what he was doing. Because he's actually got he's actually taught you some stuff that you actually don't know about. Okay? You need to give that man, that whole situation about that, over to God. Don't worry about that. He's got it all sorted. Hey, hey. You know what I'm talking about, eh? Hey? Bible says, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean on on your own understanding. I believe there's actually a reason that you're here today. Not for this moment, I believe there's a reason why you're here. I don't know what that is, but if you say to God, I didn't just come to listen to Pastor Trent, Why did you bring me to this church? I think God's going to speak to you about something. I'm not here to take people out of their church or anything like that, but I think God wants to speak to you. Do you lift your hands? Father, I just thank you right now in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you that healing is coming to her body right now in the name of Jesus. Can you just put your hand on your stomach right now? Father, I just declare healing through her whole stomach right now, through her whole, uh, inside her whole body right now, her intestines and everything right now. I thank you for healing in the name of Jesus. And so I just thank you right now Holy Ghost. I thank you for the restoration that's going to happen with you and your Father. I think there's going to be a great shift that's going to happen. There it is right now. God wants for you to actually go to the Father and talk to Him about your Father because that's actually been a block in your life. The Bible says, how can I forgive you if you can't forgive them? A huge block of why you're not absolutely encountering the fullness of God because there's still unforgiveness in your heart, especially to your Father. Am I right? Lift your hands and say these words, Jesus, I forgive my dad. I forgive him. I forgive him. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I thank you right now that great things are about to happen. Touch her in Jesus' name by the power. Do you lift your hands right here, right now. Tonight, you gotta to get here tonight. You've got to get here tonight. There's going to be so many miracles in the room. People are going to be set on fire. They're going to get into leadership. Purpose and destiny are going to collide. There are going to be words of knowledge like you've never heard before. There's going to be prophetic things imparted into you that are going to help you walk through the valley, through the mountains and everything. Father, we thank You. That is a new day in this church, God. Hard pressed, but not destroyed. They have not been destroyed. We thank You for the great harvest. We thank You for the great move of the Spirit that is happening here. But it's about to increase. The river is rising. It's gone from the knee. It's going up to the waist. And you're going to be drowning in the move of God in this place. So we just give You all the glory. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise.